All right, everybody, welcome back to Top 5. We got a good one tonight. We're listing our favorite albums from 1986. Welcome to Top 5 with Joey Casada. Starring Joey Casada. Team Jesus, my friend. No! Am I walking around, Park? Co-starring Ernie Palooza. And the doctor, Tommy Snyder. Goddamn. Now here's your host, Joey Casada. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Top 5. I'm your host, Joey Casada. And I'm David Leroff, and I need a glazed donut to go. What? You are definitely no David Lee Roth. Where's that makeup? Well, he has like that tribal makeup on or something. What that what, is that? We were just talking about. Is that Yankee Rose or is that going crazy? What video is that? Sounds like going crazy. But we can't talk about this album that much. It's not yet. Very, not yet. Oh, maybe, maybe we will, maybe we won't. We'll see. We'll, we'll get into the topic soon enough. What what's going on this week, Ernie? Uh, for me, truly, absolutely nothing. No work, no nothing. Whoa. What's that shirt say? Dance, dad. I don't dance. I finance. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Did your wife buy you that shirt? My wife buys me all my shirts. I don't even know how to buy clothes anymore. It's been so long. <laughs> I, I don't even remember my size. Oh, God. Where you don't even have one of your own shirts, the Ernie shirt, the the hot seller on Amazon. If people don't know, we got a top five shirt with Ernie's beautiful face on it from when? What age is that, Ernie? What are you? How old are you in that that picture? High school or no? No, I, uh, fifth grade, maybe, maybe sixth grade. Fifth grade Ernie on a beautiful top five shirt. Oh, it's 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 selling like hotcakes all throughout Australia. <laughs> I, I look good in that. I looked great back then. I really did. I had a good look. We're still trying to get the doctor to approve uh, a shirt design. He's MIA again this week. We're not sure where he is. He might be off with, uh, the hell was he drinking last week? Aunt Bessie's. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he was Aunt drinking. Rosie's maybe or Rosie's something. Rosie's. What the hell? Maple syrup or something. What the hell was he drinking? Wow. I don't know. Yeah. I, it, it, we haven't heard from him since he, since he was drinking that stuff. So, uh, if anyone bought a bottle from his endorsement, please stop drinking it immediately. And text us that he's okay. Yes. So we're not going to do our famous, infamous, what's he drinking tonight? Because I think he's still drinking the Rosie's maple syrup. But uh, I do want to do a new, a little new segment. I, I, I took this one from one of my, uh, this uh, Great Kiss podcast I, I've been a part of uh, as a guest for a, a couple episodes and crazy fun guys morons in their own right uh shout it out loudcast it's called and they do a comment of the week we're not going to do what they do they list they they literally take an hour to read all their comments every week and emails and facebook posts it's insanity we're not going to do that we're going to we're going to tighten that up a little bit and we're going to shoot right they do a little segment called the comment of the week and i think we should start doing that ernie because we always get so many great comments emails feedback uh, I did get a great email uh, this week that maybe I'll read this that next week, but the comment that I wanted to get to this week, it goes back to our Judas Priest episode. Now, I, didn't, I don't know how I missed this comment, but you sent me this comment. Let me, let me read it. So we did, a, we did our top five Judas Priest uh, deep cuts a couple weeks ago. Oh, my choices were solid. And our good friend Axel Johnson on YouTube wrote Ernie's choices were god-awful. He says he is a huge Priest fan, but his, la his list is basically what a 13-year-old Ariana Grande fan would choose if she was forced to listen to every Priest song and pick her top five. Very, now that, if that's not the comment of the week, I don't know what the <laughs> hell is, because God, when I read that, I had to read it five times just so I can get every insult and make sure that I didn't miss any. Ernie, 
What do you think of that comment? I didn't realize it was an insult until you just said so. <laughs> wow. I guess I'm, I know, it sounds to me like Axel didn't agree with your choices, Ernie. Ariana Grande also said my choices were crap. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were trying to get Ariana on for this week. Maybe we'll get her next week uh, to see uh, what her top five Judas Priest songs will be. Find out how, why one of the Starbucks cups is named after her. Although, to, yeah, to, me, to me, she's Pat Valentine, by the way. You, uh, <laughs> that's what my kids know her as, as too. Um, <laughs> you should ask her that next week if we get her on, why why the Starbucks Cup is named after her. Right after we talk Judas Priest choices. Yeah, yes. I think I think the conversation will go, oh, it can only go uphill from there. <laughs> that would be great. But I had to read that. Axel, thank you so much for that comment. That was the comment of the week on Top 5 with Joey Casada this week. Please, at the end of this episode, when you guys are listening, Send your comments to top5withjoeycasada at gmail.com. Go on YouTube, comment on our YouTube page, comment on Facebook and Instagram, and maybe we'll read your comment next week, especially if it's to insult Ernie's picks. Ow. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go back to, back to the well one more time. We love doing our top five albums from uh, any given year. God, this was a, holy shit. 1986 was a good year, especially for the genre of music that I love. Uh, what do you think of this year, Ern? <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to say where to begin. Yes, uh, it was a good, it was a good year, but I also noticed some of my absolute favorite groups of all time might have released some of their weakest albums during that year. Interesting. I, I did absolute notice- favorites I'm talking about. It's funny because you know what I, I know. I think I know where you're going, but it's true. Like, obviously, I'm a big uh, commercial metal guy, or if you want to call it hair metal, whatever the hell you want to call it. That year for that type of music was insane. But I'm also a big pop fan. I like you know hard rock as well and all these other genres. But it was weaker than I thought. I'm thinking '86 is going to be filled with a lot of pop stuff that I would love too. But you're right, Ernie. A lot of the pop stuff that I thought was going to be there, it was their weak. It was pretty weak. I mean, I, I want to mention. Uh, uh, do I? I shouldn't mention uh, the group we just talked about a couple of minutes ago, because I kind of like that album, although it's not my top five. But just in case it's in yours, I'm not going to mention the name, that name again. Yes. But there's two others, Alice Cooper. And Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> oh, the well, album. The, the album. Well, it's good. funny. The Ozzy album, which I believe is Ultimate Sin, right? Yeah. Is the only Ozzy album that I do like. Oh, it, that, that's a that's the worst Ozzy album. You're out of your mind. It, it's the only album that's listenable to me. I, I, I find that amazing. I mean, you've never heard Blizzard or Diary all the yeah, way through? Blizzard is okay. I don't like the production on Blizzard. I was never a Randy Rhodes fan. I don't like his guitar tone. I think it's so tinny, and I, I, I don't like it at all. Uh, the, I love Jakey Lee's playing. I love his tone. I love, I love the songs on Ultimate Sin. Ultimate Sin, the song, Fool Like You, uh, obviously Shot in the Dark, Lightning Strikes, all the hits and stuff, but you know, Killer of Giants, all that stuff I love on Ultimate Sin. Bark at the Moon, the album before it I thought was weak. What's the album after it? No Rest for the Wicked? Yeah. Didn't like that one. I know it's Zach's first album. Didn't like that. Even Blizzard. I get it. I understand why people love it. It's Ozzy's first solo record. A lot of big songs on that record. Does nothing for me. Your ass is tinny. (laughs) Speaking of asses, your ass does nothing for me either, Ernie. Well, actually, no. Well, it, 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 does, it did a lot. <laughs> it does, no, it did a lot for my house. It didn't do a lot for me. My poor kids were just talking about it. I just said, oh, I got to do the podcast with Ernie. They went, Ernie? <laughs> and they were PTSD. petrified. Yes. They shake every time they hear your name. When I said the word Ernie, it's about the thunderstorm outside right now. They heard, they thought, it was, they thought it was you in the bathroom again. Boy, it was a... Uh, still I'm getting alive. comments. Still getting comments from that episode, just so you know. Still getting comments from the uh, Squeals and Splatter episode. Lovely, lovely. Uh, so why don't we just dive right in? We've been off for a couple of weeks. Uh, it's hard to get back on schedule here. I've been a little busy. Ernie's been a little busy. 
we're gonna we're gonna be pumping these out regularly again. Don't worry. Uh, sometimes it's hard to wrangle the doctor in and some of our guest stars. We're gonna go back to the original format. If it's if we can't get all our goofy friends on board, it's gonna be me and Ernie, right, Ern? I'm. Have I ever missed one? <laughs> For instance, I had that moron friend of ours, the big ragu over here a little while ago, Carmine, and he, Carmine's a half a moron. He loves to taste all the, he tastes the weirdest beers in the world. He loves ex dumb flavored beers and he's all trying to push them on us and tell us this is what you got to drink. So he came over, literally brought a little cooler and I didn't even invite him. I actually wound up running into him at GameStop. I was with, at GameStop with my, with my kids and stupid Carmine comes in, he finds us and he invites himself over to, to drink some of these disgusting beers and I couldn't say anything. I said, all right, if you want to all right, bring them over, go ahead. He goes home. He goes and gets some beers. Ready for what he brings? Sure. Now, I, like, I like a nice IPA every once in a while. But normally, I will drink light beers just by the pool in the summertime and stuff. I'm not a big, heavy beer guy. Carmine, first beer he gives me, strawberry shortcake smoothie beer. No, strawberry cheesecake smoothie beer. Let me get it right. I almost vomited. It's literally a strawberry milkshake. And it tastes like someone poured an IPA beer into it. It was nauseating. <laughs> I took a sip. I said, nope, not for, no, you got to drink it. Well, drink the whole thing. We can, it's $27 every two cans or something. I said, come on, I don't give a shit what you paid for them. I'm not drinking it. Next beer he pours. Spumoni beer. Now, anyone who knows Spumoni, Spumoni <laughs> is, is a I, Italian ice flavor. You get at some great pizzerias in Brooklyn. It's, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's cremolata, um, uh, pistachio, and chocolate. I believe that's what Spumoni is. So he pours this beer. It looks like he's pouring what came out of your ass at my house a couple of weeks ago, Ernie. It's black, it's dark, and it's loose. Sounds delicious. Same thing, take a sip of it. I said, nope, I'm not drinking it, Carmine. I'm not force feeding myself this fucking beer and just to make sure that I don't insult you. I'm not drinking it, nope, no fucking way. Pours me a couple more, they're not as bad. He poured me like some kind of, uh, what the hell is Skittles beer? It didn't taste like Skittles. It tastes like horse shit, but it was at least drinkable. I don't know what he's thinking. I tried to get him on today's episode. He drove home drunk. I don't even know where he is. Who the hell knows what's going on? He might not have made it home. Uh, hopefully, we'll hear from him later. Hopefully, he made it home. But never again with the beers, Ernie. If we go to, if we wind up going to his house, which I'm not sure if you're going there for Labor Day or not, he invited us. I'm force feeding these beers on you, Ernie. No way. Yes, and I'm. Well, you're going to reenact the squeals and splatters at Carmine's house. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on. Let's dive into this episode. Best albums, 1986. What do you got? Okay, so well, my number five, and once again, this is not just my favorites at this moment, but I got to take who I was back then as well and what it meant to me. Number five is uh, Raising Hell by One DMC. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right, on time is tricky. It's tricky, 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 tricky. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right, on time is tricky. Tr -tr -tr -tricky, tricky, tricky. I met this little girly. Her hair was kind of curly. Went to her house and bust her out. I had to leave real early. All right. I know that you have a lot of arguments about that, but what's on that record, Ernie? It was, uh, and for me and uh, my crowd, it, we listened to it nonstop. What, what are the songs on that? I don't. I mean, I know Run DMC. I don't know what what albums or what, but uh, it's tricky. It's tricky to rock around the rock around and around the time. It's tricky, 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 tricky. And we have the opening to the show now. Thank you for that. Um, walk this way. I've heard that number. Which I gotta tell you, the chorus to the Run DMC version I like better than the chorus to the original Aerosmith version, which is basically walk this way. It's the Aerosmith version. The yeah. Run DMC chorus is a better one. Also, you be yelling. 
which was a hit. Um, I don't know if you know Peter Piper or My Adidas. My Adidas, of course. Oh, okay. So is this their, tell me, give me a little run DMC history. This their debut record or is this, but this is their big record, right? Their third, third, but it's their biggest. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love the Adidas they used to wear with with no laces. I was like, what the hell the hell did they walk with those? Um, As I said, uh, it was the, run DMC was the first rap group that we listened to actual albums you know what well, I just that, you know what just I just saw the, the video for the other day. Yeah. I, I uh God, who the hell is it? It's Anthrax and Public Enemy. Public Enemy. Was yeah. it Feel the Bring the Noise? Bring the Noise. Yeah. <laughs> Anth- I mean, obviously Run DMC and, and Aerosmith kind of did it first, but Anthrax really incorporated, they really embraced rap. The Aerosmith Run DMC thing, it was more like a, a novelty crossover. Anthrax really like you could see they loved what they were doing rap wise. Well, the original Walk This Way by Aerosmith from 1975 borders on rap the way they the way the, right. the verses right. are anyway. Agreed. Yeah. But when Anthrax came out with uh I'm the man, what, what year was that, Ern? Like eighty seven or eighty eight, right? Eighty seven. Yeah. Which was before Bring the Noise. But I... Anthrax was public enemy. Anthrax might be the first reason why I even heard of public enemy. I mean, they used to, um, even before Public Enemy, the big album, they used to wear the shirts on stage, Public Enemy right, shirts. Right, They were They were big with Public Enemy. But that's what I mean. Anthrax actually legitimately loved that stuff, and they wanted to incorporate it. Aerosmith probably just did it maybe because someone suggested it or whatever, but Anthrax, I feel like, were the ones that really did that crossover correctly. Well, I think the, um, the Aerosmith thing is not really Aerosmith. It's Run DMC. If you buy an Aerosmith album, you're not going to find that Run DMC song. Good point. Good point. All right. My, I, I'm definitely not in that direction. I didn't go uh, rap. I, this, uh, this is one of my favorite debut records. You know, it, it's funny. Over the years, people talk about the second record a lot of this band. And looking back, I don't think it's as good as the first. The first record to me is really, really great. And, you know, it, it's by a band, Cinderella. Oh, crap. I was about Eight to songs. guess, but I would have been wrong. Oh, good. I'm glad you didn't guess. <laughs> I don't want you to guess because you're going to give stuff away. Okay. Uh, but this, I remember this record, knew nothing about this band. And this is why this, is why this time of, was so good. So, 86, I was 12 years old. I remember this like I was, it was yesterday. I was homesick from school. Super sick. I forget. I either had pneumonia or strep throat. I had something really bad, and I was on the couch, like, all week long sick. And what was I, what was I doing? Two things. It was either listening to my Walkman on the kids laying on the couch or watching TV. My brother comes home from school one day, goes, look, I got this for you. Seems like a band you would like, heard some good things about it. We knew nothing about it. He got me the Cinderella Night Songs cassette. I had nothing to do, literally listened to it for, you know, three days straight while I was getting better. Loved every song on it. Loved the production, loved the songs. Um, yeah, he just bought it because, you know, it, it, people make fun of that first Cinderella cover because they look like every other hair band. But that's what people were doing then. Who cares? You know, it, it, that's what they were doing. The second album, everyone loves so much because they got bluesier and they got they embraced their blues roots, if you want to call it that. They went too far the other direction. Night Songs has the great songs on it. Yeah, I guess the vibe on Long, I think it's Long Cold Winter. Is that the second record, Ern? Yeah. I get it. I hear the, the, the vibe that people are saying with this blue stuff, but the songs are not, not as good. What do you think of this record, Ern? I, the singer is great. I mean, the singer is, and the songs are good too, um, but the singer is, as far as that type of music goes, he's a standout. 
he's uh, much more bluesy. And yeah, people were comparing him even with like his giant mouth and stuff to Steven Tyler back then. That's what that's who they were saying. Uh, they reminded he reminded them of. He's great. Tom great. Kiefer, still great, uh, still great live. I've seen Kiefer a couple times. I opened for Cinderella a couple couple times. Still a great band. Again, the songs are timeless. Great, great stuff. All right, Aaron, number four. What do you got? I was about to say that they were gone for a while, but they're back. Huh? We didn't we didn't know what we we had until they were gone. Nicely done. All right. And my number four, as you asked. Uh, I'm actually torn because I got a bit of a tie, but I ah. think I'm going to choose Van Halen. The 5150 album. Yep. Which was the first one without David Lee Roth, who is not a good singer. I mean, I love this. I love Van Halen's songs with David Lee Roth, but Sammy Hagar is the better singer. I'm, I'm not going to say the lyrics are better. The, even David Lee Roth's lyrics are better. But if, if, if I was an actual singer and I was listening for singing ability, Hagar is more talented. But what, what what about the album itself? The songs on it and stuff. Every song, except possibly inside, every song's a winner. Absolutely I mean, agree. Like maybe "Get Up" and "Good Enough" doesn't quite match up with the others, but they're still listenable. Inside, I, I might be a mistake. Um, but the song "5150" is possibly my favorite Sammy Hagar ever. Van Halen song. It's it's all good all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about it because it's definitely coming up on my list, but I, I couldn't agree with more with anything you just said. It, 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 what a fantastic record. But I will talk more about it soon enough. Great pick. Yeah, great pick. Um, I'm going to go number four. This is widely an unknown record, and if you're not a Kiss fan, you probably don't know this record. Again, just so everyone knows, I don't pick any Kiss records when we do these types of things because Kiss will always be my number one, no matter what. Uh, but too. <laughs> you too? Yeah, me too. Oh, it's good to know. That's why. Oh, that's why they're never on your list, Ern. Yes. <laughs> oh, all right. That's. I'm, I appreciate that. That's good to know. But this is this. We're going to keep it in the Kiss family. And again, I would have never bought this record either if I wasn't a Kiss fan. So Kiss had a guitar player that replaced Ace Frehley, 1983. His name was Vinny Vincent. Vinny was too hard to work with. Kiss fired him shortly after. And Vinny formed his own band called Invasion. Invasion also couldn't work with Vinny. They actually fired him. The record label told him, get lost. And the rest of the band basically became Slaughter, what we know of Slaughter, Mark Slaughter, Danish Drum. So, you know, Vinny was hard to work with, but he, but he was an incredible songwriter, great guitar player. The first Vinny Vincent Invasion record. Again, very unknown record. Most people don't know it. It's a great, especially for this time period, incredible songs, great vocals. Robert Fleischman is, is the vocalist on it. Just a great, solid album. I know a lot of people don't. Vinny's like a guitar shredder, just a mile a minute, but he does a lot of tasteful stuff on this record, too. Do you know anything about this record, Ern? No. Is is this the one before Mark Slaughter or after? Yeah, this is the one right before Mark Slaughter. They did two records, Vinnie Vincent Invasion, this first one, and then the second one was with Mark Slaughter. I don't think I noticed them. It, it's so, so good. Every song on it, they're hit songs. It just never took off because Vinnie, unfortunately, is a maniac. Too hard to work with. It's like, it's like working with you, Ernie. Ugh. 
too hard to work with. Yep. You know, big head, ego, always trying to show off. That's what I tell everyone about you. If I was Vinnie Vincent, my name would be Ernie Ernest. Oh, maybe we should change it to Ernie Ernest. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to, again, it really legitimately is one of my favorite records from this year, but I wanted to pick it because I know a lot of people wouldn't know this record. And if you don't know it, go out and listen to it. Unfortunately, the first record is not on Spotify, but you could probably stream it on iTunes and other places. If not, just go buy it or go to YouTube. A lot of the songs are on there. Um, just really great, great, great tracks on it. Great vocals, great musicianship. Come on, our number three. Okay, uh, Joey Joseph. Oh, my, oh, I like that. I don't mind that. My, my number three is kind of really related to my number four. Would be uh, David Lee Roth, Eat Him and Smile. Give me a bottle of anything and a glazed donut to go. go. Person for person, and might even be a more talented band than Van Halen. If you take a look at um what people he chose for the band, it's an incredible band, and the songs are all great. Yankee Rose is the big hit, but Tobacco Road, Shy Boy. Um, I'm trying to think of some other um. And this came out. This came out right before Van Halen's, or Van Halen was first. What was first? I don't have that information. Same year though. Going crazy is on this album. Of course. Oh, it's, Tobacco it's Road, Shy Boy, Yankee Rose. Yeah, um, yeah. Ladies Night in Buffalo is incredible. Yep, yep. Incredible song. I'm easy. Oh, it's great, 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 great record. But it's so funny that you picked it over the Van Halen record. So, it you know that was a big debate, dude. This was a big debate in that year. Oh, what do you like better? You like the new Sammy? You like the new Van Halen record with Sammy, or or do you like the, the David Lee Roth record? And it was, you know, between my crowd, we were pretty split. The David Lee Roth album sounds like another Van Halen album. Agreed. Fifty-one fifty with a total change in sound. And I got to tell you, at the time, if you would have asked me, I think I would have, I think I would have picked, and I think I did pick, Eat Him and Smile. As my as my pick, just because again, in my brain, it was a hard transition right there. My brain, Van Halen, even though there are songs on 1984 that you can see foreshadowing what 5150 was going to be, like I'll wait and stuff like that. But Van Halen to me was still hot for teacher, Panama, you know, stuff from Van Halen one, Van Halen two, Diver Down, all that stuff. That was Van Halen, party Van Halen to me. I didn't see the writing on the wall that they were going more towards the the lighter stuff on 1984. So it was a little shocking when 5150 came out. But Yankee Rose and Going Crazy, that was Van Halen. And you had Steve Vai, you had Billy Sheen and stuff doing all the stuff Van Halen was doing, especially like in those videos. It was like watching the Hot for Teacher video or one of those cool live Van Halen videos. So it was definitely more Van Halen than Van Halen was. I couldn't figure out why David Lee Roth, when he went on tour with Van Halen recently, didn't have the Eat Him and Smile band as the opening band. Just had David Lee Roth on stage for the whole show. You know how much how oh. much that would have sold? 
my God. N not only that, even just in, in general, how that band never did another tour together, never reunited. I know there was, because my old bandmate, Paulie Z from ZO2, well, technically my current bandmate from ZO2, because we're kind of reformed. But uh, he used to do this event in uh, LA called Open Jam Night or Ultimate Jam Night. And there was one week where the David Lee Roth, Edom and Smile Band was reuniting for one night at, uh, I forget what where the place was, maybe Brooklyn Bowl or uh, Holly, no, not Brooklyn Bowl, that's over here, Hollywood Bowl. And word got out that they were gonna reunite for a couple songs that night. And it got so crazy and crowded with people that the cops had to come and shut it down. They were all backstage ready to go on. And the cops pulled the plug on it. They said, we can't do it. There's going to be a riot. Fire marshal. Fire marshal. Yes. Yeah, yeah so, that would be incredible. Yeah, it, yeah, it almost happened. I can't believe it didn't happen. And li listen, they're all still here. Maybe it will happen, even if it's just for a show or two. But that that's a band that could be out doing all these big stadium tours. You know, they could be on the stadium tour right now. They could be on any of these big festivals. They should be doing stuff, and they're not. Good pick. All right, my number three. I always go back to this band, one of my top three bands of all time. This is, believe it or not, even though this is a great record from this year, not my favorite record by Striper, but I'm going to go with To Hell with the Devil. If you ask Striper or Michael Sweet or anyone, this is probably, they, they're going to say this is their biggest record, probably is their biggest record as far as commercial success and uh, album sales. But I don't think, to me, it's not even close to their best record. I like three or four records better than this record. I do love this record as well, but To Hell With The Devil, you know, at the time, God, I loved it. It was one of my favorite records of that year. Obviously, it's my number three pick, but over the years all the most of the other striper records inc including the two before this i like better even maybe the one after this i might even like better uh but to hell with the devil great great record um honestly is on there so that was obviously the big um the big hit from that record but you know you got sing-along song you got to hell with the devil you got free you got all that so many so many great songs on this record yeah honesty was maybe their biggest hit up to that time it definitely was their biggest hit yeah I, th I think it was their biggest hit in general i think this record sold more records than all the other records well always there for you i think came afterwards that might that was a real that was a real single for them yeah that was the next record yeah in, in god we trust yeah good stuff not my favorite striper album but though by far yeah but again so striper for me especially those i mean the first five records against the laws an incredible record too that never gets its due you know, to, to the Yellow and Black Attack, Soldiers, To Hell with the Devil, In God We Trust, Yellow and Black Attack. Those five records I'll put up against any for any five records in, in a band's debut. They are incredible. And then I got out of Striper for a little bit. They broke up. They released one or two things that I didn't absolutely love when they got reformed. But then in recent years, which I do want to do a follow-up episode, Ernie, I want to have Michael and Robert on one of these episodes. I want to revisit their last five records because they have been insanely good. Great records. We're going to have them on before or after Ariana. Oh, uh, I mean, we could do, maybe do them together. That'd be nice. Sure. Now nah, let's split them up. It, we get, we get double the viewership that way. To me, I do the, the more important first. We go with the striper guys first and then Ariana down the line somewhere. I'm sure she agrees. Yep, definitely. <laughs> Maybe we do top five striper songs with Ariana too. She might, she might like that. 
Come on, Ernie. Number two, we're flying. My number two, and this was easy. My top, my top two were easy, by the way. My number two is licensed to ill the Beastie Ooh. Boys. No sleep till. <laughs> This was an easy choice. I mean, there's an argument I could use even for number one, but as the years have gone on, there's another album that's just become part of my life. But License to L was such a, it was the greatest rap album I heard at that time. And for a long time, it was the most fun. It was, a, it was the party. It was the, it was Van Halen one type of party album for me. And it's, it's just great. It still is great. It's it's still a drinking album. Let's put it that way. So obviously you're referring to, I don't think you even mentioned their name yet, the Beastie Boys, right? Oh, I didn't say the Beastie Boys. I don't Boys. think so, no. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it, the album sounds like a doing funnels type of album. Yeah. No, again, look, so again, back in the day, I despised anything rap. The Anthrax stuff I started to get into a little, Beastie Boys I could not get into when I was a kid because... It was like anti the kids that like Beastie Boys didn't like what I like. So I wasn't almost like wasn't allowed to like them. But over the years, of course, I appreciated so much to the fact that um, all my students, we just did a, uh, our last show of the season. And in our set list, we had two Beastie Boys songs. Can you guess which two earn? I think if I I think they're both from this record, but I'm not positive. I would guess No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Nope. Uh, and uh, okay, um, fight for your right to party. Yep. That was the f- opening song of our set list. Yes. Uh, she's crafty. Oh, that's a good I, one too. Diamond and stealing. Nope. And it's uh, and it's on this one. Uh, I I think it is. I'm not positive. I don't know the Beastie Boy catalog <laughs> like the back of my hand. Sabotage. No, but we did sabotage last year. Uh, girls. Uh, is oh, that it on, is on that? It is right. I did not expect girls because it's yeah. not a rock. Song. No, I know yeah, they, they it's wanted not, to it's do not it. Really it was, a rock. It, it was more of a joke. They kind of all switched instruments, like a, a guitar player played drums and a bass player played here. It, so it was it was just fun to do. It was obviously a very simplistic song, so they were able to uh, switch around instruments and kind of have some fun. What a fun song! But it's listen, you know these, and I have a feeling our number ones are going to be the same before I get to my number two, but. It's funny that these records, and I know we're stuck in the 80s and this and that, though, that's our generation. These albums, and if this doesn't prove it, these kids pick these songs. I didn't pick Girls and Fight for Your Right. My students picked them. These albums live on. They're not, you know, they're not just throwaways. I think at the time, maybe people didn't know that Beastie Boys was not going to be a throwaway, but that's a big, big record. I don't know how many albums it sold, but I bet you it's, it's got to be multi, multi, multi platinum, right? I would imagine so. Good pick. I, I, I totally forgot that. You sure that's 86, right? Yes. So my number two was picked already. It's it's weird to say, and I go back and forth, but it really, it there's a possibility that it's my favorite Van Halen record. 5150. <laughs>
I go back and forth. I know, I know the sexy choice is not to pick Van Halen one, but Van Halen one would be my, would be my rival. I don't know which I like better. I go back and forth all the time. It's almost to the fact that they're almost two different bands to me. I, th I think of them completely different. I know it's the same band, but 5150 is such a different record than Van Halen one or two or fair warning. 5150 is, you know, every, every summer, I start every summer with my social media posts, thinking about 5150 posting it to me, it's the greatest, it, well, maybe not the greatest because my number one might be better, but it's one of the greatest summertime albums of all time. When I hear 5150, not just because of uh, um, summer nights, but I hear 5150 and I me immediately think of the summer of 1986. Summer Nights is a, is a great song, and I forgot about to mention that one before. However, Van Halen 1 is not only the greatest Van Halen, Van Halen album, but it's, in my opinion, the, one of my top 10 favorite albums by anybody. Yo, it's, listen, it's undeniable. I agree. If there's a reason why I go back and forth, it's because I've heard Van Halen 1 so much, so much, so much. It's so popular. It's the only reason I think it's even... I flip flop and I, it, it depends on my mood when I'm in the mood for sing along songs like 5150. That's what I want when I want energy or if I'm driving or I want to, you know, beat someone up in a, in a wrestling ring or something like that. I'm going to put on Van Halen one. I can't say anything. I can't Van Halen one is, is perfect to me, but you know, it's, this is all subjective anyway, but all right, we've never done this before, but I'm going to, I'm going to, first, I'm going to recap your five. And then after I recap your five, I'm going to do a little experiment. Okay. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so recapping Ernie's top five albums of 1986. Number five, Raised in Hell, Run DMC. Number four, 5150, Van Halen. Number three, David Lee Roth, Eat Him and Smile. Number, number two, License to Ill, The Beastie Boys. And Ernie's number one album of 1986, before you say it, Ernie, it has to be the same record. It just has to be. Let's both say the name of the record at the same time. Not the band, the name of the record, okay? Sure. We'll go one, two, three, and then name it, okay? Okay. One, two, three. Slippery Master one Master of Puppets. Did we say the same thing? Definitely not. <laughs> wow. I didn't think you were going. I get it, but I didn't think you were going there. Talk to me. Master of Puppets is not only the number one album of 1986, but it is possibly the greatest heavy metal album I've ever heard. Uh, Battery, Master of Puppets, The Thing That Should Not Be, Sanitarium, Disposable Heroes, Leper Messiah, Orion, and uh, Damage Incorporated. That's incredible, incredible songs. I, I can't get rid of any one of them. I, yeah, it's listen, I, I'm not denying that it's not a great album. And it, same thing, more like the Beastie Boys record. At the time, I didn't appreciate it as much of, of, of what it is, just because my tunnel vision was, this is, this is what I like. I didn't like heavy, heavy music. I liked pop metal and I liked pop music. I liked hair metal stuff that I'm naming, but I also liked pop of the eighties, Hall and Oates, Michael Jackson, Madonna, Cindy Lauper, Springsteen, Brian Adams, you know, all that stuff. That's the stuff that I loved. I like sing-along songs. 
my brother was more into master of puppets and heavier stuff like that. I couldn't, I rebelled against that. I didn't get it. I get it now. I, I like it. I still, it's still not my favorite stuff of all time, but I like, now I appreciate it more. I was going to say something. Um, I remember also not appreciating Metallica um, for the whole tunnel division. Same thing. And I remember the argument I used to use why I didn't like Metallica. And I, it's embarrassing because I, I love it so much now. It's part of me. But I remember telling people um, it's a mistake to replace melody with just pure power. It just doesn't work. And I, the years have proven me wrong, t terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, I never thought Metallica would, would be the band that, that's lasting as much as they did. It, it, it really became its own thing, um, especially now with perfect timing that we did this. I know you're a Stranger Things fan, Ernie. The song Master of Puppets has never been bigger than it is right now, even when it was released. No, it hit, it's, it hit top 40 uh, last month. Was it ever top 40 in the, in the 80s? It wasn't even released as a single. No way. Nope, that song, nope. because of Stranger Things, if anyone doesn't know, um, Eddie Munson in Stranger Things, one of the characters, plays Master of Puppets to kind of uh, dis distract the Demogorgons and, and all the monsters. And it works. It's, it's, in, it's an incredible scene. Um, every one of my students, God, they come into my, every show, every rehearsal. The first thing I hear as soon as they plug in, I'm like, God, please, not, no more Master of Puppets. I'm even doing a thrash show now because of Master of Puppets. Both of my kids just got their own guitars to learn Master of Puppets. They're both, my seven-year-old Joe can literally play the intro to Master of Puppets now. He looked it up on YouTube. He's both, both of them have amps down in my studio now, both playing Master of Puppets. Maybe I'll, I'll post a little link of, of them playing it right now, but it's taken a life of its own. And the record itself is, is, is great too. All the other songs on it, like you said, Ernie, uh, are great. Uh, yep. I, Orion is the one that really got me into it, but oh, Disposable Heroes, Battery, the chorus, the battery, the, and then finally Master Puppets, once I really started appreciating it. My 16-year-old yeah. self, yeah. Oh, it's, favorite it's favorite great. Metallica record, Ern? By far. Well, I mean, yeah. that that's not to be insulting. The other albums, though, but yeah, Master Puppets is and my favorite albums by anybody. So yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I, I can't listen. I, I'm not going to argue with that choice. It didn't make my list. I like my albums better, but it's it's up there. It's a great record. I like All my right. albums better. Oh, I can't believe. So <laughs> looking I, back, I, I love that sentence. <laughs> I really thought we were going to name the same record. I can't believe the name that the record that I named is not on your list. It's insanity to me. But let me recap mine and then I'll repeat my number one. Number five, Cinderella Night Songs. Number two, number four, Vinnie Vincent, Invasion, debut record. Number three, Striper, To Hell With The Devil. Number two, Sammy Hagar's debut with the Van Halen Brothers, 5150. And my number one record from 1986, this record is like a time capsule for me. 1986 maybe was one of my favorite years of all time. 12 years old was, I always think back to 12 years old. I think even when I met my wife, she asked me how old I was. I said I was 12 years old. I always think of back at being 12, great, great year, summer of 1986. When this album hit, it, it took, to me, it took over the world. Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet. I know the famous quote by you, Ernie, when you went to buy this album with Billy. Let's hear it. Nobody's going to buy this album. It's <laughs> too heavy for the girls, and it's not heavy enough for the guys. <coughs> uh, nobody's going to buy it. It's not going to sell. I think you were right. I'm, I, I might have been off a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a diamond-selling album. I'm not positive, but diamond-selling is over $10 million. Uh, Master might be as well. I'm not sure. If I If I had to guess... I would say Slippery When Wet sold more records than Master. What do you think? I would guess as well. I don't, I don't know if it's... Because Black Album might be uh, up, way up there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, But again, all these records are, are, you know, all giant records. Anything upwards near that diamond mark 
is all-time bestsellers. Absolutely. But Slippery When Wet, just like you said with Master, Let It Rock, You Give Love a Bad Name, Living on a Prayer, uh, Social Disease. God, what else is on this record, Ernie? Um, Wanted Dead or Alive, Never Say Goodbye, Without Love, um, Raise Your Hands. It's just every single song on the record. There's no throwaways at all for me. Every song is a monster, monster hit. Is there's a song you give love a bad name about Kurt Cobain? <laughs> no, I don't think any, the world didn't know who uh, Kurt was at that time yet. Because he did give love a bad name, he changed it to Courtney Cobain. <laughs> nicely done again, Ernie. I, and you don't even, you know what? You told me before we started, you don't have notes today. You didn't take any. You're sharp, baby. You're sharp. Thank you. I like it. I like maybe no, no no notes from now on, looking off into the distance to read the notes. <laughs> Not down here. <laughs> but Slippery, to, again, I got a chance. Uh, I remember this, again, like it was yesterday. Going to concerts, 1986 was one of my favorite things to do, and it still really is one of my favorite things to do ever. But 1986, me and my all my friends are hanging out, playing baseball in the street, wiffle ball in the street, and one of my friend's older brothers, uh, Brian O'Grady's older brother, Vinny, you know, the O'Grady's. Hell yeah. Um, one of, I forget if it was Vinny, one of them come down the block or Brian comes down the block. Hey, everybody, you guys want to go see Bon Jovi tonight at Madison Square Garden? We're like, what? And they were already the biggest band in the world at this time. You know, we would pretend we were Bon Jovi in our basement playing songs and stuff like that. So this was like, we were like, holy shit, of course we're going to go. Somehow one of his brother's friends won like 40 tickets or something to go see Bon Jovi that night. Side stage, literally the stage was here. You know, front row is always best, but we were sitting like right here hovering over the stage. And it was just an insanity, insanity night. I told this story on one of our earlier episodes. After the show, all of us are going crazy. It's all of us. We're 12 years old. All of our brother's friends, they're like 16, 17 at this time. So 40 kids. I don't even remember any parents being there. I think all the kids just went to Madison Square Garden to see the show. And after the show, we're, we're by the merch stands, all in the Madison Square Garden's uh, hallways. And my good friend, who I just was messaging the other day, Jim Whalen, says, Joe, get ready. We're like, get ready for what? He goes over to the merch stand, grabs a shirt. He goes, see this? And he runs down the hallway. The merch guy who's in the behind, only one merch guy, takes off, runs after him to try to catch him. He's not catching a 17-year-old kid in the hallway of Madison Square Garden with a T-shirt. We all look at each other and we go, I didn't do it first, but I definitely was involved. We little, Everyone literally jumped over the table and just started emptying all the boxes of merch and started throwing them around. And everyone got like... 10, 12 shirts that night. It was insanity. <laughs> One of the greatest nights of, of my 12-year-old uh, life at that point. That's an insane story. <laughs> I am 12 years old. Picture us <laughs> diving over the merch stand, Ernie. I saw Rob Bon Jovi, believe it or not. I think I was um maybe 20, maybe 20, maybe 21. Uh, a girl I liked asked me if I wanted to go. And I, for some reason, I told her, yeah, I love Bon Jovi. <laughs> when I really didn't want, didn't, but for some reason, I suddenly be, pretended I was a Bon Jovi fan all of a sudden. But wait, so let me, seriously, so you did not like this album, even though you, you know, you gave it a bad re review. You never thought this album was a, a great album? I did listen to it for a, a little while, but not really. I mean, the songs, besides the, the, the half the songs were on the radio. I mean, I know all, most of the songs. But never a big fan. Not really, no. And never really a Bon Jovi fan then, right? Obviously, if you didn't like this record, you didn't like you were never really a Bon Jovi fan. No. Interesting. Yeah, I, I you know, again, music to me, movies, this podcast, everything to me is a time capsule. Everything is something... You hear something, you see something, you smell something, it brings floods of memories, right? That's what to me music does more than anything. When I hear one of these songs, I am immediately transported, whether it's back to that hallway in Madison Square Garden, 
or back to my friend Jason's basement pretending we're Bon Jovi and, you know, lip syncing to the songs. And it's just a time capsule. When I hear certain music, it's like a, it's like a, a little history lesson of my life. I thought you were trying to set me up or something that the gut girl I lied to, you can pull her out. <laughs> oh, here she, oh, here she is. Kept, Hold on. You kept asking me <laughs> to catch me in a lie. Well, just out of curiosity, what happened that night, Ernie? Was, was the, the night successful? I uh, held her hand during the song always. Well, that's, listen, that's pretty good. For, I mean, always. <laughs> so right off the bat, if the song always was already out, right, you're talking, you're talking mid nineties now. So, oh, <laughs> right. I guess so. I, so you're you got to be deep in your twenties now, deep twenty four, twenty five, right? I feel like this was ninety four, maybe. All right, so I mean, you're still twenty four, right? Ish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, holding hands when you were twenty four, Ernie, that's pretty good for you. I did hold her hand for the entire song. Ooh, nicely done. You are smooth. Yeah. Yep. Did Billy steal her on the way home from you? That son of a bitch. That's the, that's a different girl. That was that's Debbie it? Gibson. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait. The song Debbie Gibson or the or girl Debbie Gibson? Uh, we always knew her as Debbie Gibson. Why was she Debbie Gibson? Because she looked just like Debbie Gibson. And and what's the story? So you you were you were into this girl. I um New Year's Eve. She happened to be in the same bar as me. It's a coincidence. So we're partying all night, and. You know, I've been, I was hanging out with her. It was clear that I liked her. She was obvious. We walked all the way from Flatbush Avenue, all the way down Quinton Road to East 37th, holding hands. Oh, boy. So this, it was going good. So that's so your move. This is your move. The holding hands is your, is your move, it sounds like. Yeah. Isn't okay. it? Everybody? Of course. <laughs> Suddenly, Billy Zemish somehow pops out of the bar on Quinton Road, uh, Flood's Tavern. And that was and that was it, and that was the end. Everyone who doesn't know, ran off with him. That's Big Head Billy. That's been a guest on our show many a times, and he will be a guest many more times. And we'll bring this story back up to him. So Billy walked out of this bar with his olive oil voice and his sauerkraut charm. Yeah, <laughs> and he scooped up Debbie Gibson right from under you. Yep, and she left with him. In in moments, I don't know what happened. Why didn't you punch him right in the face? Possible I might have the next day. <laughs> well, we will bring this story back up to Billy next week on, on uh, Top 5 when we have him on. Ern, this is a great episode. Again, oh, it's always about reliving memories and uh, talking about some old stories in the past. And if we can get some music and introduce some people to some new music along the way, it's all gravy, right? Any last words before we sign off? Nope. Uh, thanks, everybody, coming on this journey with us through... <laughs> The history of 1986. <coughs> nicely done. Nicely done. We have any uh, sponsors this week, Ern? Uh, negative. You're in charge of the sponsors and the Patreon and stuff. What What are you doing? Oh, the Patreon. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon sponsors. Um, it's becoming so many that it's becoming difficult. Um, so maybe it's easier just to send it directly through Venmo. Might be a very moment. good idea. I'll, I'll post the Venmo link uh, in during this in this episode that you can just help fund the show if you'd like. But yes, please send your comments to top five with Joey Casada at gmail.com. Top five with Joey Casada at gmail.com. Send us comments about this episode. Maybe let us know what you think of our picks. Maybe you will be next week's comment of the week. I will read your name. Uh, we're going to have some more contests coming up. But again, always post more comments on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram. Let us know what you think of the episode. Let us know what you think of the topics. Let us know what you think of the stories. Give us some feedback, everyone. Uh, we want to hear from you. Hopefully we'll have the missing doctor and his maple syrup back next week, and maybe even Big Head Billy to rebuttal the Debbie Gibson story. I'd love to hear his side of it. I would too, actually. Something tells me it's a little different than your side. I'll have to wear the fighting jacket. <laughs> That's another good story. We'll start <laughs> with that one next week. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time.